You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show only on America's Web Radio. And we're glad to have you listening in today. And... uh, we were supposed to uh, talk appraisal, but as a matter of fact, we're going to talk appraisal anyway. And that uh, we've got one of the top appraisers sitting at the round table today, Mr. Steve Ronaldo. Many of you know him. Many of you may have had your car appraised by Steve at one time or the other, and he's also a uh, judge. So uh, we were we had uh, someone lined up from Ivan to uh, call in and. Uh, Evidently, we may have had a lapse of memory or something. Car may have overslept. It's early, and uh, so we're going to go on with the show, as they say. Oh well, maybe we're. You all go ahead and talk, and let me answer this. We we've got Mister. We've got Eric on, and uh, Eric, I think you're acquainted with one of our hosts, uh, Mister Ronaldo. And so, yes, uh, yes. Steve and I have known each other for years. Well, welcome to uh, America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. We appreciate you uh, getting up and uh, getting going on a Saturday morning early. But uh, I think it, it, we've got a. To me, it's a very interesting topic, and I only know a little bit about it from Steve. But um, you're an appraiser with Ivan, which stands yes. for, and I'll let you in, inter, interpret that acronym. Okay. Uh, IVAN is the International Vehicle Appraisers Network. The headquarters is in Chesapeake, Virginia, and uh, it started out as a single appraisal uh, location and then expanded to be a a network across the uh, continental United States uh, in 2000. So there's about 40 to... 45 appraisers currently on board across the country. And uh, do you all do any international appraising? We uh, we have not. We've we've talked with people about that, but we have not expanded into into that. There's uh, there's certainly uh, enough to just try and stay with the with the domestic market. Wow! And uh, this started in what year did you say? Uh, Two thousand. Two thousand. Wow, you know that that's quite a, a growth in fifteen years, or oh, 19, yeah. nineteen years, <laughs> yeah. twenty years. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. you'll get it right. I'll get it right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, we're all the same age, I think, and we can we don't we don't throw rocks at each other. I don't watch you praising any cars this morning. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, Good Eric. morning. Oh, go ahead. Jim. Yeah, Eric, it's Jim Weber. I'm Steve's caregiver. So uh, Steve and I have been doing this show for quite a while now. And I'm going to turn the microphone over to Steve because I think you know him much better than uh, anyone else does. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Marsh. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Steve. How's your day? Well, we'll find out in a little while when I go back to work on the Cadillac. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some of this vehicle appraisal network. A couple things. Uh, why would 
the average guy, whether he's going to sell a car or whatever, why would he call somebody like you for a prof- that, that will say, and you are, you're the you're the top appraiser in Ivan. Uh, why would I use you as opposed to somebody else? Well, that's usually where the conversation starts. When someone contacts me for an appraisal, um, I'm usually trying to find out what what kind of appraisal or what they need it for. Um, sometimes they're calling because they've got a uh, collector car and they want to get insurance on it and based on the value of the vehicle or perceived value of the vehicle that insurance company may say you go on and back that up with an appraisal because some appraisals are on market value some are on uh, uh, what they call declared value there are cases where I get called uh, because there's a dispute over a vehicle and it's an attorney and they want to have an outside opinion on what the vehicle is worth to, to try and uh, diminish the, uh, the the level of vitriol that's flying back and forth between the claimants. Uh, occasionally, I get a call because a uh, person is advanced in years and has multiple vehicles, and they're looking for an appraisal for two, so they can sit down with their lawyer and plan their estate. There are times where people. Uh, decided that they just want the car to move on and they want to donate it to a museum. And so the museum always requires not only an appraisal, but also there's a, uh, a government document that you have to, they yeah. have to sign and then it has to come to me and I have to sign it as well. And then there are those rare cases where I get a call and it's a divorce. Uh, but, uh, the other thing, and you've got it in, Georgia, and we've got it in North Carolina, but there's only about a dozen states that have it, and that's called diminished value, and that generally is you're driving down the road and minding your own business, and a distracted driver comes along and hits you and sends your car to the repair shop to the tune of, you know, 3000 to $15,000 worth of repair. Well, now that it's been repaired, it's no longer... Uh, accident-free history, so in the eyes of a willing buyer, it's worth less money than the one sitting next to it. So that's diminished value, and either the insurance company or the owner can invoke the appraisal clause. It's a very small language in the back of your uh, auto policy. Uh, it's not advertised because it's a direct hit to the bottom line of every insurance company that has to comply with it and uh, so uh, it generally is found out about word of mouth that kind of thing so those are generally the reasons why I get a call and and uh, and then we uh, proceed from there okay well let, let sort of look at these these things one at a time with diminished value being the end because as you know with Brenda just got hit in the rear end and her her estimate went up three thousand dollars because the rear subframe was bent. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, when you get, I, you, you said insurance companies require this. You mean like like J.C. Taylor or Haggerty or any of those guys? Yeah. Yeah. If uh, uh, 
Generally, when you're talking about a vehicle that's worth twenty five thousand or more, the uh, you know Haggerty or or J C Taylor or whoever would say, you know, we ought to we ought to have an appraisal on the books, and an appraisal is good for about two years, uh, and then due to market changes, uh, it's suggested that you get it updated. So it's not one of those things where you get it once and 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 put it in the in the in the family photo album, you you, you basically have to treat it as a in the same way as you treat your registration, your other legal documents. There's a time frame on it for renewal. So, oh really? I didn't uh, know that. I didn't know that J C Taylor because I've I've never had to have I don't have that expensive kind of cars, but I've I've, I've never had to have one done. But I didn't know they requested one every couple three years. Well, in your case, since J.C. Taylor knows you well, they probably say, well, you know, we'll just give Steve a break, but, uh, you know, uh, you, know huh, you are well-known, yeah. Steve, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, let's see, the sheriff of that county. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on which post office you go into. <laughs> I don't think oh, there's they do, some great I don't pictures think they, of them, right? I don't yeah. think they do that anymore, do they? I don't know. In the post well, no, it's on the Internet now. Oh, now it's on the Internet. <laughs> Okay, and that brings up the question: Are truckers still using CBs? <laughs> well, Ain't far good, buddy. I'm in the rocking chair, just a cruising. Uh, anyway, you said one of the other other things that that people require uh, appraisals, and this is something that people don't think about. And as we're we're all in our golden years. Speak yep. for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yours are sort of like rusty. Your, the gold is is, is pretty rusty. Yeah, it's tarnished. It's very tarnished. But that's a that's a good point for for somebody that's doing estate planning to to look at appraisal. I I didn't I you know. There are things that that people, the average person, just doesn't think about until after the fact. You know, uh, let me let me throw. We had a we had uh, Truett Kathy's uh, attorney on yesterday. I think it was yeah Friday, and uh, he was talking about Truett Kathy's collection. Whatever happened to it? They sold mo. They sold mo. Truett Kathy, by the way, is a guy that owned Chick Fil A. He was an antique car guy, uh, and he had well over three hundred cars. Wow. And um, when he died, they sold a lot of them off, but they they kept some of the more, if you will, unique ones. Like he had a Batmobile from the first movie and stuff like that. So, uh, again, if you're dealing with that volume, I'm sure appraisals would be, uh, you know. That brings a question with that that kind of stuff. I'm taking my car to Barrett Jackson. Should I yep. have it appraised before I go? Well, anytime you're dealing with an outside service, um, information in your back pocket is always important. You know, you can you can deal with somebody like that and just accept what they say and assume it's correct, or you can have an outside opinion that. That you can go by. Uh, I'm currently working with a, a woman whose husband is um, along in years and and now has some medical issues. And she called me up, and then there's a number of vehicles in the collection, and they're everything from 
finished vehicles to um, uh, challenging uh, projects, and and so you know what she really was looking for was she needs to liquidate this, and she she didn't know where to start. So I said, well, the best thing to do is to have me go through and look at each vehicle, give you a detailed description of it and some background of it, and and identify what I would predict would be the fair market value in the eyes of a willing buyer. And so um, we're we're just finishing that work up, and and I also gave her some suggestions about how to how to get the word out and market them, and also some cautionary things uh, to do as well, like uh, the, the more valuable vehicles are in a building. I said, you don't want anybody going back in that building unaccompanied because things like hubcaps and and uh, uh, hood ornaments uh, grow legs in that kind of condition. And the majority of the people in the, in the collector car hobby are good, honest, handshake kinds of folks, but that other two or three or four percent keep us busy and working overtime so yeah. you know it, it's always best to, to to have a little knowledge up front and, and she and i were talking yesterday and she you know we've been at this since uh, around christmas time because there's that many cars and and she she was very uh very appreciative of the time i'd spent with her and the documents i'd given her and and uh, the little little uh, path to success, I called it. I laid out on a couple of pages what I thought she could think about doing moving forward, and I also found somebody for uh, to help her because I, I told her, you know, when someone goes to buy a car, they start making up their mind twenty feet away from it, and the first thing you want to do is is uh, prep it. And she said, and prepping means, I said, prepping means that you want to have it. Uh, you know, give it a wash job. Uh, you know, get, Eric, the, get the dust off it. Eric, I hate, Eric, I hate to interrupt you, but we, we're up against a hard break. We'll, if you'll keep no. that thought, we'll come back and uh, talk more yeah, about prepping. We'll be right okay. back after this. Thanks. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And we've got a special guest on. We're talking appraisals of cars with Mr. Eric Marsh. And uh, I don't know, Eric, uh, one of the things that really scared me was you're admitting to knowing Steve Ronaldo very well. And uh, that puts you in a class by itself. I don't know how you'd appraise that, but that puts you in a class all by yourself. Oh, I, I consider it a privilege to know Steve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and how much was that worth? <laughs> hey. are, are you in his garage right now appraising his cars? Uh, one of the things that we were talking about uh, is I, all these different these subjects, and the one I want to say to last is diminished value because that's the one people know the least about. There are different types of appraisals. I know I did IVAN for a while, and because of my traveling and working and all this stuff, I just couldn't do it. It didn't work out. Uh, I did a few, but not a ton. What types of there are different appraisals? What what are they, and what are the costs? That's another question that you will will like to know. Okay, when I when I do an appraisal on a vehicle, <coughs> and and it's what I would call a static review because uh, you know I'm not taking it apart or, or you know it's, I'm doing a walk around I'm crawling under it looking inside it taking pictures and and getting all the vehicle history and that kind of stuff that's that's a standard appraisal for insurance or an estate or something like that <coughs> or or uh, whatever uh that's that's I charge two hundred dollars plus a plus a mileage fee. So if I've got to drive up to uh, Greensboro and back, uh, I charge uh, you know thirty five dollars for the mileage. Uh, and if I drive over to Raleigh and back, it's fifty bucks. You know that kind of thing. So so that's 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 what I charge for that appraisal. If someone from Michigan calls me up and says, Jay, you know, there's a 1940 Ford for sale, and I'd really like you to go look at it for me and tell me uh, what it's really like and all that. That's called a pre-sale inspection. And I basically try and find out from them, if they were looking at it, what are the particular things that they're nervous about? Uh, and then I advise them whether that's part of my normal procedure or go oh, thanks very much I'll I'll make sure I do that for you and uh, so then I get on the uh, calendar of the seller and we go down and take a look at it and I go through and look at the four areas of the vehicle the interior the exterior the chassis and the engine compartment I get all the information I can from the guy and make sure that he's got a valid title and uh, this current title and then I say oh by the way let's take it for a ride and I get on the passenger side and let him take it down the road and and uh, we make sure that it starts and runs and accelerates and stops and and I listen for vibrations and those kind of things and then when we get back I say no stay in the car and I get out and I say okay headlights high low beams directional signals etc and do the same kind of things that a inspection would do at a at a state facility and then when i get back i write the vehicle uh, document up and i uh, um start
started sending the, the pictures to the fellows, anywhere from, oh, 25 to 40 detailed pictures of things I saw, dents and rust and poor welds and uh, misfits. Eric, Eric may, I, may I interrupt you for one second? We yeah. interviewed a, a, a organization that's out of Atlanta now. Uh, yeah. And I don't know whether you've ever used them or heard of them, but I, I would. I was just sitting here thinking how it would fit in with exactly what you're doing, and that's called a vehicle DNA. Are you familiar with them? Uh, no, but there's you know there's a number of people. There are some people who only do pre-sale inspections, well, and uh, you well, know they have a checklist and multiple pictures and that kind of thing. What yeah. uh, what this company does is that uh, you send them a sample of the. Radiator. You send them a sample of the transmission oil, the oh. uh, oil in the in the engine, and so forth and so on. And they analyze it and can come back and tell you, you know, if there's any particle, any, any if there's any problem in any of the uh, fluids. Yeah. You know, I I I try and look at a vehicle the way that the average hobbyist would look at it if they went to see it themselves. And they certainly wouldn't have the, the chemical analysis equipment. What they would do is they'd, 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 they'd walk around that car first and look at the exterior. Then they'd spend some time looking detailed of the interior. And then the third thing they'd want to do is they'd want to take it for a ride and see how it operates and that kind of stuff. And they'd also want to look over the the, the history of the vehicle. And they'd, and they'd also ask a question, which uh, I always ask, and has this vehicle ever been in an accident? And the reason why people ask that is because they're concerned about, you know, if it was in an accident, how it was hit, where it was hit, and how the repair was done. Um, and and that that pre-sale inspection, once I've sent sent the all the information back to the prospective buyer, is uh, is uh, three hundred dollars plus a mileage charge, and that generally is less expensive than for them to get on an airplane and fly down here and rent a car and and go take a look at it and that kind of thing, and uh, so. I, I don't do a lot of those. Uh, I don't heavily advertise it, uh, but but the there are a number of people who who spend a lot of time on the internet and they find a car for sale and they generally find it at a uh, quote classic car dealer. And um, I tell them, gee, the advantage you've got of, of of going to a dealer rather than a private owner is you get to pay. 20% more, and you get uh, 50% less information. That's true. Yep, uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. All right. So, so I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask you to look at a at a 34 Chrysler Airflow. Hint, hint. And, oh, I, uh, I have to have somebody else go look at that because <laughs> my uh, my uh, glass has become rose colored when I get around the 34 <laughs> Airflow. Uh, and and say you're you're gonna do do something like my thirty seven Cadillac. Yeah. Uh, would you do a lot of research before you went to look and sort of know what's right, what's correct, what's not correct? And then you went there and you did this. And what if the guy starts arguing with you? Uh, generally, generally when I go 
look at a vehicle, first of all, if I'm comfortable with it, if I'm going to go look at a 55 Chevrolet, I, I know what a 55 Chevrolet is. If someone asked me to go look at a uh, uh, a Stearns Knight from the uh, 20s, you know, I'm obviously going to pull out my books and, and you know, determine what wheelbases are, what engine configurations there were, et cetera, and that kind of thing. And, and, and then, you know, I get on their calendar and I go see them. I very generally... It's not a contentious process. In fact, rather than getting into a, 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 a negative discussion, I'm normally getting a sales pitch instead. Uh, the last one I did was a GTO, and it was, it was it was distracting. Here I was trying to look at the vehicle, and this guy was, oh boy, have you seen this? How good a job I did with this one. I mean, this went on for. I was there almost an hour probably and uh and and he was in my ear almost the whole time <laughs> it was just uh it, it was it was challenging to get through that but uh but most of the time uh people are you know they 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 understand you why you're there they they uh they'll often ask me uh you know do, what do i think of this guy who asked me to go i said you know look at the guy called me up said can you give me a hand i said yeah I explained to him what I was going to do, and here I am. So I said, I don't know him. I don't know you. I'm, I'm, I'm the outsider of this whole thing, and I, and I try and make sure they understand that. I, in fact, I tell both of them, the, the person who calls me to go look at it and the person who owns the vehicle, I tell them both, I don't care whether you sell it or not. I'm just here to look at it, describe it, uh, uh, do the do the research, think uh, identify what I think is a fair market value on the vehicle, which I normally give in a range. <clears throat> I don't say this car is worth sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. I say uh, you know vehicles in this condition normally go be- between uh, fifteen and eighteen thousand dollars, or fifteen or seventeen thousand. I always put a little range on it, and the reason why I do that is because. When it's all said and done, the vehicle's worth what two people can agree on. And you have to go into this thing assuming that the one who's selling it is on the high end of that bubble and the one that wants to buy it is on the low end of the bubble. And if they're gentlemanly about it, they ought to be able to reach some uh, accommodation in the middle and the car gets off and finds a new home. So, <laughs> but, uh, Eric, Eric, you mentioned time up. Are you saying that you spend approximately an hour on a static appraisal and, and what, two hours on a pre-sale inspection, or, or is there an, an average, or how do you gauge that? Um, if, if I'm going to go do a pre-sale inspection, I'm generally on site for about an hour because that's how long it takes to crawl under the car, uh, uh, look through the trunk, uh the, the difference between a pre-sale and a stack on a pre-sale, if I'm in the trunk, I'm going to lift up the mat because I want to see if there was body work done under the mat. Uh, I don't lift up the carpet because that's held up down with uh, door seals. But uh, uh, what I do do is I crawl under the car at at that point looking for uh, rust in the floor pans or uh, uh, uh poor replacements or something like that. So I'll I'll spend a, a good hour going over the vehicle at a presale. If you're if you're doing a a static of, of appraisal of a 
55 Chevrolet, you know, uh, you can go around that car and probably uh, get all the information you need in about a half an hour. Okay. A lot of it depends Eric, on the on, on the owner of the vehicle too, how engaged they are as to how long I'm there. I just did uh, two Chevrolets uh, over at a man's house, and he also had a 34 uh, Chevrolet pickup truck. And uh, I was at his place for oh two hours and 45 minutes, I guess, because we were we were talking so much about you know the, the history of the vehicles and where they come from, and then. He uh, took the opportunity to tell me all about all his personal problems over the last 15 years. <laughs> Eric, we're, uh, we're up against another hard break, so we'll be back okay. with Eric Marsh right after this. Okay. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with our special guest, Mr. Eric Marsh uh, with Ivan. And uh, we're talking appraisals. And let me ask, Eric, have, uh, have you ever been stumped? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there are times where... I'll go look at a video. In fact, this collection I just did in in uh, for this this lady. One of the vehicles was a 1942 Packard uh, convertible, and uh, we were able to determine it's a 42 because of the uh, the, the the grill arrangement was. Um, the, the trim for the grill was horizontal on a 42. It's uh, vertical on a 41. So, so it was fairly easy to determine that it was a that it was indeed a 42. But the uh, the uh, the data plate wasn't where it normally is, and uh, and I missed that. So I thought, well, somebody took the data plate off, painted the firewall, and never put it back on. But I I had the I had the uh, the the wheelbase measurement. I knew what the tire and rim size were and uh, I'd already been told that uh, it had an engine swap in it so I couldn't go by the engine number but the outside trim on the car said uh, Packard 160 and it was on 15 inch rims well uh, 
Packard made two uh, convertibles in '42 uh, that were on the same wheelbase, 127-inch wheelbase. One was the Packard 120, and the other was Packard 160. And the 160 had a higher uh, horsepower engine in it, and sat on 16-inch rims, and the 120 sat on 15-inch rims. So here's a car with with a 160 uh, 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 set of trim on the hood, and sitting on 15-inch rims. And I I just I just agonized over that thing because the difference in value of that car in its current condition is about six thousand dollars between a 120 and a in a 160, oh, and yeah. if it was in number one condition, the difference would be, you know, eighty thousand dollars probably. So uh, I I finally had a, a a friend of mine go look at it. I said, "Tell me what I missed," and he looked it over, and and we talked about it yesterday, and we were able to put it to bed. So it it appears that it is indeed a 160, but I got no idea why they put 15 inch rims on a 160 when they came with 16 inch so who knows huh? so uh but but yeah that that was not a that was not a half hour appraisal that was that was hours <laughs> of, of back and forth and yeah. that happens you know if you look at it some some you do quickly others take a lot of time and it, it all averages out eric i know you can't imagine this but uh as uh steve walked in the door today he was uh complaining about our computers and I'm just curious, how much, as long as you've been in the appraisal business, has the computer helped you or hurt you? It's helped me from the standpoint it allows me to do uh, some research online that I used to have to do going through books and making phone calls and that kind of stuff. It has not necessarily helped the hobbyist because we now have people doing on the computer, uh, what they used to try and do with as seen on TV ads, uh, you know, part of doing a, a, a good a, a appraisal on a vehicle is to do a physical on-site inspection, and yet we've got people advertising on the on the internet all the time. Uh, you know, send me a picture of your car, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you what it's worth. I mean, you know, it's it's unbelievable, That's and, really and it's not only with. Yeah regular appraisals we've got people doing that with diminished value you've got one guy right there in atlanta that never leaves his office and he does lots of dv appraisals wow have you and ever he been called to... him an appraisal i call them worthless documents have you ever been to court have you ever had to go to court for stuff uh in north carolina we don't go to court like we used to because we've got a, a pretty good statute in place now and and uh, an escalation path you got to go through before you go to court. But I used to have to go to court fairly often. I go to court now about once a year. Uh, Eric, do you ever take advantage of the AACA library and their research staff? Oh, I, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the AACA library. In fact, I I was uh, back when it was a, a standalone organization had its own board of directors. I was on the board of directors for three years. Uh, uh, we uh, uh, pulled it back into the organization with the changes to the 501c3 laws, and so now it's all under the main board. Uh, I think it's a, a absolutely great uh, 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 library. Uh, we've got uh, 
Uh, Chris Ritter is uh, in charge of it, and he's got uh, two fellows that uh, work with him. They're all uh, graduates of uh, library science programs, uh, young guys, uh, sharp uh, folks, and uh, yeah, it's it's been big help. I, I had to use it on my little 93 Ford Ranger. I decided <laughs> oh to show that at AAC events as an unrestored vehicle, and uh, I didn't have the uh, original sales literature. I contacted the library, and uh, I'd already looked up on their uh, website what they had. I called Chris up and I said, "Can you send me copies of this stuff?" And uh, uh, three days later, it was in my mailbox. And uh, you know, yeah. great, 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 great organization. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, we enjoy. We have him on the air a couple yeah. times a year, and uh, they yeah. they really are. One of the other things I want to mention while we're talking about Eric, he is also the senior most active AACA judge in the whole system. Well, congratulations, Eric. Yeah, that says I don't spend much time at home. That's right. (laughs) Who's that? You you remember that lady you're married to? Do you remember her? Uh, Cheryl, what's her name? Yeah, Yeah, good old Cheryl, what's her name? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, he's uh, he's also the treasurer of Buzzard's Breath, my my chosen region to play with. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it kind of I think it's a it's a it's it's an essential service, but I don't think people a lot of people in the hobby don't realize uh, all of the aspects and the things. Like I said, legal. I never thought I would never have thought about getting my cars appraised bef- before I, I while I was in the home. <laughs> they, they let him out on Saturday mornings. <laughs> As, as long as Jim escorts them. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and, and there's a lot of things like, like that. I Like I said, I don't have expensive cars, so Mr. Taylor has never asked me to. Yeah, but when you the, the thing that gets me is you're trying to put that Chevy V8 in the Maxwell and pass it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that 454, it's yeah. tough. Oh, yeah. Um, the yeah. other thing that we mentioned er, is this diminished value and... and uh, as you know, Brenda just had that rear-ended axe, got rear-ended, waiting to turn by some girl with with blue hairs and and more nails in her head than the average house has, and, yep. uh, and two cell phones going. Uh, at yeah, once. probably. Anyway, and the car ha- it's a it's a it's a new Miata with under five thousand miles on it. And got hit, and they just dumped, jumped the appraisal to, or the estimate. Uh, we pick it up next Friday. From six, uh, it went from from under six to om- about half, eighty five hundred now. Yep. And and you, with a car in this condition, you would recommend that I would get get diminished a diminished value claim. And why would yep, that yep. be? Well, well. Once again, it goes back to loss of value in the eyes of a willing buyer. In North Carolina, you you can check in Georgia to see what it is there, but in North Carolina, when you go to sell a vehicle, you turn over the title and you got to make two declarations. The first declaration is the odometer correct to the best of my knowledge, check. And the second declaration is, has this vehicle ever been in an accident where the cost of repair exceeded 25% of the fair market value? So if you've got a $20,000 car and it's had a $5,400 repair to it, you've got to put a check mark on that. And as soon as you do that, 
and and your and your and your negotiations to sell it, the, the the fellow who wants to buy it wants you to give him a discount on your asking price because oh gee this this car's got a history on it. Now he may be the worst driver in North Carolina, but he wants to have a car that's never. I, been I know prepared. that guy. I know that guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and and the thing is, I I write him up. For ones that have less than twenty five percent, and and I've successfully defended that in court because, as I told the last judge, I said, you know what, Your Honor, I, I've got my car for sale. My neighbor's got his car for sale. This fellow's wearing out the grass between us. When he comes up my driveway, he doesn't look at it and says, uh, Mr. Marsh, has that car ever been in an accident where the cost of repair exceeded 25% of the fair market value? I said, give me a break. What he does is he looks me right in the eye and he says, has this car ever been in an accident? If I don't say yes, the lightning bolt comes down and fries me in the driveway for laying. You know, you, you got to tell the truth. So when you tell the truth, all of a sudden, you've got to renegotiate the, the value of the vehicle. So if you've got a if you've got a, a, a Toyota Camry and uh, gets uh, kissed in the Walmart parking lot uh, and the rear bumper cover's got to be replaced, uh, say that comes out to twenty one hundred dollars. The insurance company say, oh, that's not a declarable accident because it's less than twenty five percent. But when you go to sell the vehicle and someone asks you, yes or no, has it ever been an accident? You have to say yes, and you say yes, but, and before you can even get the repair estimate out to show them that it was only a bumper cover, no structural damage at all, immediately your vehicle's gone down in value about 400 bucks, maybe 500 bucks. All depends on how good a salesman you are as to how much or how little that diminished value is. So in the case of your Miata, um, that vehicle with that amount of repair has lost value, uh, and and you're dealing with a little different potential buyer. Someone who wants a Miata looks at a car a lot differently than somebody who's looking at a at a Toyota Camry or some other grocery getter. I mean, it's a little sporty car, and they they, they expect the thing to be perfect, and it and it isn't. Uh, you said it went into the shop at five thousand, and now it's at eight thousand. That's called a supplemental. What happens is they do a partial tear down, and they say, "Oh, we can do this for about five grand." And then they get into it, and they find out, "Hmm, we didn't catch this during the partial tear down," and so they have to raise that up. So I'd say about a third of the vehicles I look at have had one or more supplementals on them while they're in the shop. And then the other thing is when you get it back from the shop, before you get your diminished value appraisal on it, you want to drive that thing for 100 or 200 miles and make sure that it is done. You want to have it back as close as humanly possible to the pre-accident condition. Sure. And you've got to drive it 100 miles or so because you got to find out if you got a squeak that you didn't have or a rattle that you didn't have or... I've had cases where the guy went back and said the door's making a noise, and they took the door panel off and pulled the wrench out that they left in the door. <laughs> yeah. Eric, we're, we're going to have to take another break. We'll be back with Eric Marsh right after this. Hi, my name's Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby, 
that I've been part of for years. Not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Whether cruising the strip at a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a '71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show with our guest Eric Marsh with Ivan. And uh, we've been talking appraisals. So we'll be back with uh, over to Steve and... Yeah. Uh, Okay, with this diminished value again, I'm, this is a personal thing for me, so I, I'm I'm really into this this thing now. When should I file for this diminished value, and how do who do I talk to? I don't, do I talk to their insurance company? Do I talk to my insurance company? Do I talk to the body shop? What what do you do? In in your case, the the vehicle is hit by someone else. Correct. So they're at fault. They're the their insurance company is supposed to pay for the repair. And then once that repair is done and you've got the vehicle back and you've gone around and and walked around the car and driven and all that, say, well, okay, I guess that's as good as it's going to get, okay, then you reach out to that claims agent that you've been dealing with and say, okay, now it's time for us to figure out what the vehicle's worth. I want to claim my diminished value. And get ready for pushback because none of the insurance companies want to pay it and they're really throwing out lowball figures now because of just think of how much they've had to pay off on total vehicles from the last several hurricanes we've had so it's more and more of these are getting challenged and you wind up having to get an appraiser to help plead your case um, but uh, in North Carolina you can actually uh, claim your diminished value up to three years after the accident, provided you still have the vehicle. And uh, I've had cases where a woman called me up. She was frantic. She, she'd uh, 34 months ago, she'd had an accident, and, and she didn't find out about diminished value until last week. And I said, "Well, that's good. We got two months left." So I said, "It goes by the filing date." So I said, "The first thing you do is you, you know, I found out." information from her to know that she had a big enough uh, uh, claim. I, I said, you you call that 800 number and get that claims agent on the on the um, uh, phone and you and you 
uh, request your diminished value, and that'll that'll establish the date of the re- of the claim and the date of the request, and then you can go through the exercise from there. So, so. I, I contact her insurance company, right? Yeah, there's been some there's been some insurance claims manager that you've been dealing with on this accident. Let's say that the woman that ran into you had uh, Allstate, so there was somebody from Allstate that contacted you either with a letter or a telephone number and 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 said they'd work you through the claim and suggested who to take the car to for repair, etc. That's the person that you go back to and say, okay, it's time to talk about diminished value. And you want to have an idea in your mind of what you think that is, and, uh, and then if they won't come near that, then you say, Okay, I guess I'll have to invoke the appraisal clause and go get an outside opinion, and uh, and then they they'll probably say, well, you know, we can accept that, or or well, we'll go get our own, and then then you've got two appraisers uh, that have to reconcile. But uh, either way, you're always best trying to have an idea of what it is and trying to settle it yourself, but you know, some claims agents are good to work with. Some of them have bad bad hair days every day you know so it's it's it, it's a luck of the draw who you get all right well okay so you said i i need a number so just say brenda's one-year-old miata now is worth twenty-five thousand, which i think is probably about right okay. i would guess what what would what would would i what would you suggest or what would you suggest to anybody what would they go whether it's an antique car classic car doesn't matter what would you what would you? What would percentage would you pick? Well, if you're not if you're not familiar with vehicles, and most people, when you ask them what you pay for your car, they don't know, but they can tell you what their monthly payment is. You know, that's that's their level of knowledge. To them, it's it's transportation. Some people will go talk to a dealer, and what they got to understand is the dealer's not going to tell them what the vehicle's worth and and what the diminished value is they're going to always be talking in terms of trade-in so if you look at round numbers let's say you had a twenty thousand dollar car that prior to the accident the dealer would offer you something like seventeen thousand five hundred and you know they're not going to give you twenty thousand dollars for a twenty thousand dollar car because they got to turn around and sell it and make a profit of it so the trade-in always includes dealer profit and overhead now you go in with the car and it's got uh, a, a repair on it and they start talking about $14,000. People will then go back to the insurance company and say, I've lost $6,000. Well, no, you haven't. You lost $3,500 because you weren't going to get 20000 before. And when they offer you fourteen. That doesn't mean you lost six thousand. That means you lost thirty five hundred because the original trade in would have been seventeen five. So that at least gives you a starting point uh, as to as to what that should be. And you know, if it's a if it's a small accident that say five thousand dollars, yeah, the the diminished value is normally you know twenty five to forty percent of that. Uh, it, it all depends on. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and that's that's why you want to make sure. And I, and I always stress this point: 
the, the diminished value is a loss of value in the eyes of a willing buyer. I don't know of a willing buyer that doesn't go look at a vehicle before they make an offer. But almost half the appraisers in North Carolina that are doing diminished value never look at the car. They say, oh, the inherent diminished value is this. They do a paper uh, review. They assume the repair is okay, and they and they come up with this number, and 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 people pay them money for this thing, and and the guy took their money and never physically looked at the car, and then they can't understand why the thing escalated, had to go to court, and their appraiser didn't show up. Well, the reason why he didn't show up is he couldn't defend the appraisal. <laughs> You've got to look wow. at it from the eyes of yeah. a willing buyer, and a willing. And that's buyer. for every kind of car, right? That's right. And a willing buyer, I've seen repairs that were so good that I couldn't find any evidence to repair. And I've also seen some where when I got out of my truck at the end of the guy's driveway, I knew he had repair to the front end because the front bumper cover didn't match the fender. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how bad the paint blend was. Do you so guys, you've got to yeah. have somebody okay. who looks it over. And, and I've actually done inspections for folks and and then they wind up going back and 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 telling their friends and then the phone rings well gee can you come over and do one for me too you know that kind of thing so it's word of mouth advertising because i don't inspect the vehicle and then give them a report i actually take them around the vehicle with me and i show them what i see and i show them what i feel as i run my fingers along the joints feeling for overspray and that kind of thing and then i ask them questions about about you know, it's not unusual for after they get finished talking to me they're back to the body shop getting something done because they'll say well i guess i'll live with that i said no you know it's supposed to be back to where it was before that it uh got hit you know if the thing's pulling to the left you don't want to drive it that way that's a safety issue take it take it back and let them get it realigned correctly, you know, and always go back through the claims agent because it could drive a supplemental. You don't want that money coming out of your pocket. You want it coming out of that insurance company's pocket. Yeah. Eric, how do our listeners get in touch with you? How do you get in touch with me? Well, yeah, you know, if Ivan. you're a North Carolina resident, you can call me on my cell phone, 704-267-9383, or you can find me through the website, but... Uh, if you want me to come to Atlanta to do an appraisal, I, I don't think you'd like my mileage charge. Okay, how about no, I somebody? Think you're, you're always you're always better off trying to find a local guy. Right. If if we don't have one in your area, then then ask around. Uh, always always try and find somebody who you can you can you can say you got them on a referral. You know, there's sure. there's enough people that have that have had to need an appraiser for a vehicle in their family that they can tell you what their experience was and whether they think they got a fair shot or not. Okay, but could you give us the website for IVAN, please? Oh, the website for IVAN is i-v-a-n.org. Good. Thank you. And they can get a hold of you there too, right? They, your, your contact. Oh yeah, they can get a hold of me, and I can give them referrals. It's not unusual. I'll get a call, and somebody says I'm up in Virginia. Can you give me a hand? And I say, Well, I can't, but I can send you to Robert Aftel, and Robert Aftel can give you a hand. How, how about street rods? You guys do street rods? 
Yeah, I do street rats. Street rats are just like anything else. You got to go around. You got to you got to look it over. You got to do the condition. You got to spend time with the guy saying, <clears throat> you know, first of all, you look at it, you don't know what the engine is because it's got a chrome kit on it. So you say, you know, is this a is this a Chevy 350 or something else? Yeah, Nick, Most of it's, a, it's an LT14. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I grew up thinking a 383 was a was a Chrysler engine, but no, a 383 Stroker could be, you know, you yeah. Yeah. or anything. It's hard stuff. That could be a Chevy. <laughs> yep, hard yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, now, Eric, is, is your uh, is your motto "Have Jeeper Creeper will travel"? Have <laughs> the Creeper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I I wear out a lot of shirts and uh, and. Uh, butts in my pants by crawling around. <laughs> yes, that lady that lives there says that you you know that the washing machine runs constantly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's a she's a she's a great woman. She's put up with me for years. So, well, all right, I. We got how much? Time? Oh, we're about we're out of about time. Out of time. time. Thank you, yeah. Eric. Eric, you're the best. We, this has been very informative. Well, yes, well, very hope informative. I hope, hope I helped you guys out, and uh, and uh, make sure that Steve goes out and gets some help on that DV because he's he's lost money in that car. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Right. Thank you. Take, Take care. Eric. Take care, sir. Bye bye. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.